Coming up on Guys Talking Sports, we talk about the NFL draft. We talk about some of the, the the teams that what they who they choose in the NFL draft. We talk about all of that. We talk about as well the NBA. We talk about the Last Dance, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. We talk about the episodes of the Last Dance, and we talk about Isaiah Thomas and his reactions to the Last Dance and some of the comments that were made by Michael Jordan. Co-hosts Adrian Catwell and Earl Ross join me on Guys Talking Sports, and that begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. We appreciate all the love, support, the subscriptions, all the, the, the comments, um, everything that's going on. We appreciate all the love and support out there. But right now, we got a lot to talk about, and we're going to get right into it. I got my co-host with me, Ace and Smooth. What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing today? Uh, day, um, day week four of quarantine, and the hair is getting thicker, and... The beard is getting less gray. <laughs> We're staying hydrated as always. Only, only, only week four for you? Shit, going on two months over here. <laughs> well, it could be four weeks in, I don't know, snails years. But <laughs> it do feel like a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, as we like to say here in Maryland, day 100 of the incident response team due to COVID and the Maryland State Prepared and re Responded Team, go Maryland, doing a great job. Anyway, I'm not here to make them up on David Talk Sports. I'm here to talk about Isaiah's ass on first date <laughs> all over ESPN. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll get into that <laughs> very shortly. Yeah, I ain't but nobody bitch. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into that but before we get into all of that the drama everything um because some are also the last dance and how that is playing out we have to talk about what went down with the nfl draft um i know that you wasn't um you was on special assignment last week ace so um let's get right into it talk about the nfl draft um, let me get your thoughts in general. Let's start with you, Ace. Um, let's get your thoughts in general about the NFL draft as a whole. Um, what did you like about the virtual NFL draft? Is there anything that you liked or didn't like? And also, what did you think about some of the team selections? Um, did you think some was kind of confusing or a head scratcher? Um, I got an idea of what Smooth's take is, but I wanted to get your take on it. First of all, I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. Um, think I think personally that uh, NFL might have stumbled across something with this um, where it goes to show that they don't necessarily have to go uber uber big like they did in Philly when they rented out that whole park and did the whole NFL experience I understand they really trying to get the, the fans involved and everything but they said that based on the numbers this was the highest Highest watch NFL draft, maybe because folks are star for star for sports. I'm about to say nothing else to watch in real time. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they was watching it. True, true. <laughs> but I, I maybe it was just me, but I thought the rounds moved a little bit quicker, knowing that it was virtual. Um, I thought that things just progressed faster, you know, because at this point, I thought teams were were really scared that they might 
had some sort of technical difficulty. So they made sure to go and get their pick in and made sure that the commissioner had to pick in before anything might go, go haywire. Um, but I thought it was good. Uh, kind of mad that when I was working on Saturday, I couldn't, couldn't watch it, but was following the ticker on ESPN.com. So that, that was my only, that was the only thing I, I thought kind of sucked, but for Thursday and Friday, I thought it was really good. Uh, shockers. Um, not so much. Uh, I guess what the one head scratcher is uh, Jalen Hurt going to Philly. Um, I mean, for the most part, everything kind of what shocked me, I guess, would say not so much more the, the teams and what they picked was all the hype and the drama that was being fed into the whole thing only for the first six elections to pretty much go as is, except for, I think the Giants picked the tackle with their number four pick instead of going after the uh, Isaiah Simmons, I believe his name is, from Clemson for defense. And he ended up going to uh, whoever picked six. No, nah, he, he ended up going to the number 18. Because, uh, Car- uh, Cardinals. Right. So I think if that were the one shocker for me, but the Giants need an old lineup, so you can't really be mad that they went after a tackle. But you almost had like a jack-of-all-trades on defense. So, you, you know, you can't really be mad at that. But outside of that, I don't think – I don't think it was really anything really mind-blowing to me, except for maybe Jalen Hurts. I mean, everybody was talking about the Jalen Hurts and the speculation is starting to bring as far as – what's going on in Philly. Um, so I guess that would probably be my only right. I mean, for the most part, I couldn't really follow rounds four through seven while I was at work because I really couldn't. I wanted to be able to, to listen to the draft, but, you know, when I got to sit there and pay attention to the ticker, I really can't pay attention to the ticker and work at the same time. So can't really speak on the, the beings of that. But for the most part, just from my overall looking at it, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the the different broadcasts, meaning the ESPN NFL broadcast versus the ABC College Football Analyst broadcast. I thought that brought some – that was different. And it might have been like that last year. I'm not sure. But I thought that was different. I also thought it was pretty good that instead of ESPN and NFL Network were working together with the draft this year, instead of NFL Network trying to do their own thing, competing against the same time as ESPN. So I thought that was cool with the kind of inclusion of the two, two networks working together. But I don't think they had a choice. I mean, what else could they broadcast out there, like you said, um, with so many, nothing really going on in sports. So this was very attractive. So it made sense for, like, those channels, those that usually don't simulcast together, it made sense for them to, to, to get something out of it. Right. So – um, but let me ask you a quick question, because um, I, I, like I said, I, I still want to get your take. So, what did you think about um, the Packers choosing um, quarterback Jordan Jordan Love? Uh, I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, what's what's facing? Aaron Rodgers been in the league what fourteen years now, mm-hmm. and I mean he's still in the prime. I mean, what he's thirty five, and we're seeing that these quarterbacks are playing pretty damn good football until they're 40, mm-hmm. as long as they're getting the ball out quickly. Um, 
Yes, they probably couldn't address, they could have addressed a wide receiver in the first round, but there's there was a ton of wide receiver depth in the draft. So I mean, unless they were picking in the top seven or eight where you had to really the true the true top wide receivers. Does it really make a difference if they pick somebody because uh in the bottom half of the in the first round? Because I think the 49ers got the the, the last top tier uh wide receiver coming out of Arizona State and they picked before Green Bay. Yeah. So it's like I'm sure they probably had that cat on their on their board, but it's like, well shit, after the Niners grab him, let's just go ahead and get this this you know, snag the last top tier quarterback before we go into the B lister uh quarterbacks out there. So I thought it was a pretty good pickup. I mean Aaron Rodgers had to sit and wait three years before he got his opportunity. Um hopefully he won't be a Brett Favre type and shun him shun Jordan Love and not try to help him and try to groom him to be a successor. I mean look, the bottom line is Father Time don't wait for nobody. So not everybody's going to be like a Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been very fortunate, but we'll see how fortunate he is if if the season is played, you know, and he's being in a different system. Is he going to be just as effective? We'll see. I don't know, but um, I'm not I'm not tripping about that. I I guess I would trip a little bit over the Jalen Hurt pick. Now I guess if I'm Green Bay, if I had the opportunity for Josh Love over Jalen Hurts, now that's an interesting conversation to have. Who do you think is a better QB? Especially Jalen Hurts coming from Alabama and Oklahoma playing against tougher competition versus Love coming out of Utah State playing in the Mountain West. You know, um, playing against Power 5 competition once or twice in a particular season versus Jalen Hurt playing against a cup a few cupcakes every season in his few in his all four years of playing college ball. So I mean I guess that would be a topic of a conversation. So I, I'm assuming that if roles were reversed and Green Bay pick Hurts, the question would be would Philly have picked love? That's the question you need to ask. <laughs> Because how badly did they need a quarterback knowing that they could have probably picked a veteran up from somewhere off of the street and brought him in? Yeah. I, uh, for, for the first thing, for at least for um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' uh, predicament, I don't know everyone's getting, you know, so, you know, emotional about it. Same thing happened to Brett Favre. So, I mean – if I'm Aaron Rodgers, you should have expected this. This should be no surprise because if they did that to the great Brett Favre, it was going to happen to you. If you saw the New England Patriots not want to pay the GOAT and let him go, or at least he said he knew by the beginning of the season he was coming back, but if New England was not able to make any inroads to, make, to allow the GOAT to stay, then you know your position is not that secure anyway. And you had a lot of power. We don't know what happened with the whole Mike McCarthy situation, but you weren't that big on, you know, LaFleur when he first got there and you were publicly, you know, not feeling him, not, not behind closed doors, but publicly, but eventually you got all together. And if I'm, you know, LaFleur, do I really want the great 
Aaron Rodgers always, you know, going behind my back, always second guessing everything that I do, always, you know, you know, trying to stick his thumb into my offense, my team, telling me what I should do. No, eventually he's going to want his own guy. Brett Favre left. Guess what, buddy? Which he probably is now, not immediately, but I think that the chances that Aaron Rodgers finishes his career with the Packers went down um, dramatically with that choice. Now for the now for the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> picking the quarterback didn't surprise me. Picking Jalen Hurts as the quarterback was actually more surprising. <laughs> Not picking a quarterback because they need one. I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, Wentz is you know is glass boy. So, I mean, they need someone that can come in there and adequately be his backup. We saw what happened when he got into the playoffs. What was it? The, the, the third play or the fourth um, fourth drive of the game, he gets knocked out, concussion, can't, can't, can't play. And he's been hurt periodically all the last couple of years, starting from the year that they went to the Super Bowl. So right. that's insurance. Like I said, them getting a quarterback wasn't surprising. Jalen Hurts was a surprise. But do you think that's his heir, heir apparent? Or do you think that it's just because he just can't stay healthy? When did they pick Jalen Hurts? What was it the um, second round? Second round. That's quite high. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a, like the top of the second round at that. If this was like a fourth round pick, then I'd be like, no. But, you know, since this is – you have to see. Um, do I think this is heir apparent? I'm not sold on that because, you know, as good as Jalen Hurts was when he was playing with Oklahoma, he wasn't really tossing that rock when he was at Alabama. Now, you could say that, well, that's because Nick Saban doesn't like the, you know, quarterbacks that throw. Yeah. Well, he damn sure liked Tunga Tuvalova throwing. So, that's true too. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Um, that, I just sat back and just laughed because I'm like, good old Philly. Quarterback controversy is just what they love. <laughs> Do you think Miami did the right decision to pick a tour? Do you think they're going to just sit him and let Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, lead the way this season? And then once he becomes, you know, once he becomes, once he starts off as Fitz Magic and then he becomes off, you know, crappy, <laughs> will Tua get to see some. Uh, some some playing time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's in a pretty prime position there. The Miami Dolphins, I think, are 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 a little bit better positioned than the Bengals are as far as personnel. Um, oh, they do great. Yeah. yeah, and I think they're they're they've been rebuilding and had a lot of picks in this draft, so I think they're going to be good within the next one or two years, which should fit right in when Tua Tua comes in. He doesn't have to start. You got. Fitzpatrick, you can even throw in Josh Rosen if you really wanted to. Um, so, I mean, you follow the model that, you know, Kansas City did. You know, Patrick Mahomes sat a year behind Alex Smith. They did well, went to the playoffs. Alex Smith still left. Patrick Mahomes stepped right in, and that and that engine and that car was running slightly better <laughs> than it was with Alex Smith. I mean, we saw with Lamar Jackson. He came in at the tail end of the season. He got his bumps, but you had he had enough time to sit, prepare, and kind of you know study and get himself acclimated to the system. If Tua doesn't start, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts 
tail end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised. But if I'm Miami, if you things start off bad, I would resist the urge of throwing them in earlier than what he is because you want to make sure that because, hey, you haven't really had a good physical on them. You haven't really seen much of them. So I would sit him just to make sure that, you know, he's 100 percent. You definitely don't want them to be this. What you definitely don't want it to be like Washington. What they did um, when they brought in um, their rookie in the last couple of games for the season. Uh oh, yeah, um, Dwayne. Dwayne so, Haskins. Yeah. I thought they should. I thought they should have let Dwayne Haskins sit longer. No, I guess. But that what happened was when they fired the coach. Yeah, and then once they fired the coach, they said the hell with it. Just throw the kid in there. That was good old Daniel Snyder getting in the way of his own team, as always. Now, question. Miami's sitting on Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. New England didn't draft a quarterback, but they went out there and, and signed two undrafted free agents at quarterback. Obviously, they just need somebody to fill up the room. I still have a strong hankering because they're saying that they don't have any interest in, in Cam. I, I, it, would, it wouldn't shock me in the least if they reached out to Miami because Brian, Brian Flores is down there and that New England connection and say, what do you guys want to come up, you know, what, what does it take to take Josh Rosen off your hands and send him up here to New England? If, uh, if uh, I, uh, is it Stidham? Stenum, yep. yep. Yeah, Stenum doesn't kind of pan out the way that they hope. Because I think I talked about Rosen possibly going to New England some months ago. And I still hold out hope. I don't hold out hope. I don't really care one way or the other. It just kind of just makes sense. Because if I'm Josh Rosen, I'm feeling hella disrespected at this point. You know, I was a number, I was a top 10 pick from the Cardinals. Didn't really have an opportunity to shine or play and do. Didn't really had the opportunity to get my feet wet. You turn around and draft Kyler Murray the following year, ship me off to Miami. Had I played a little bit, but you know, he still hasn't really got acclimated to NFL yet, and he gets kind of passed over in Miami. So the man is just sitting there as a top ten pick and is not really getting the opportunities. So I just kind of. Kind of just makes sense considering that New England kind of had him on the high in their board a couple of years ago. But what the hell I know? I'm just I'm just here. <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it somewhere in the beginning or season before. They could do something like that where they could pull something like that. It'll be some type of shrewd move where it's underrated. They probably wouldn't do it when it's in the limelight. I could see them doing it like on the back end, like somebody making a major trade, but then they'll come out and say, well, all right, we'll take Josh Rosen for a second round pick. It'll be something real small um, during midseason. I just don't see them doing it right now. I think that the Patriots is going to have the opportunity to test and see where they are with their quarterbacks that they have right now. Um, they'll, they'll most likely reevaluate before the season is over and see if this is going to be a long-term thing going forward or if they want to bring in somebody now. Um, it all depends on where they stand in, in the standings um, in this year and how they look. And if they look, you know, pretty decent enough where they have a fighting chance, then they'll probably stand pat. But if they see that it's going left and they're going downhill, I could see them making a move or two maybe to get Josh Rosen. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Ace. I thought that they might have did something pre-draft to get Josh Rosen, but, you know, not. But with Bill Belichick, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to prove a point that he can he can make it work with Jason Stenham being how um being how um Brady is going, which I think he's gonna at least try. But I I'm like you, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something, you know, beginning of the season, maybe mid season where something quiet goes behind closed doors where because that's how the Patriots work. They work very quietly. Mm-hmm. No flash, no shine. You see something blow, oh, you know. You know, Josh Rosen goes to New England Patriots for a like a fourth rounder or, or a third rounder or something something like that, and you know is real quiet, always underneath the radar with the um, Patriots. So I'm with you. I he's not going to be there because if you got Tua and I'm him, I'm like, where can I go that I don't go to a team that stinks and <laughs> looks for a quarterback? I have. Something just kind of hit me while I was sitting there just listening to you guys, and it's totally not Miami, and it's totally not New England. But it is about a quarterback. And it is about America's team. Hmm. Now, let's, let's quickly nibble on this, this hypothetical nugget that I have. Mm-hmm. We all know that Dak has signed his, his, uh, his tender for the, uh, what is uh, his tag? I'm sorry. He hasn't signed a tag, franchise tag. So what if he says, screw that. I'm going to play on whatever deal that I have left, not sign it. Or he signs the franchise tag, you know, the tag, whatever, but says, okay, I want out. And Cam is still sitting on the market. Do you think the Cowboys sign Cam mid-year and say, you know what, screw you, screw Dak? If that's what you want to do, you want to go hit the open market, you want to go out there and try to get yourself $35 million, and we could get Cam to come in, I, even though Cam is MVP, Super Bowl, you know, made a Super Bowl, but he's not going to command that top-tier quarterback money, but he's going to have to probably settle for about $20 million a year, which ain't too shabby, you know. And the Cowboys could save fifteen million dollars by signing by signing Cam. That would still keep some hype for America's team, and Dak could probably go off and try to find another team to play with. What are your thoughts about that? Very slim to very slim that whatever happened in real life, but it just seems seems a little too juicy not for it to at least have a conversation about. It. <laughs> I couldn't see it because, you know, you basically go from a a quarterback that's relatively low-key and quiet, except for all of this going on, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the way Jerry Jones likes it, to a quarterback that is much more vocal, a lot less low-key, and if you bring him on, you know, even at a, a reduced rate, like a Jameis Winston rate, which I think he's getting like 1.8. He ain't going to set up for no $3 million contract. Which is why I don't think so. Because if he goes there, and let's say hypothetically he goes there and he does well, you know, lights him up, takes him to this, let's say, takes him to the NFC Championship game, mm-hmm. doesn't win, but he's, he's he lit it up. Now, guess what? You're almost 
nearly in the same boat that you are with Cam, who's going to probably want a little bit more money and a, at least a, a, an extension as opposed to Dax wants a long-term deal. So you're going to be right back in the same boat that you are, a little different boat, but the same boat with a much more vocal quarterback about it. Yeah, I agree. Oh. All right, so you're saying that not signing Cam now going into the season, but if say if Cam is out there midseason and Dak is just Dak is just Dak is doing what Dak does. Dak just quietly took passes for four thousand yards, does whatever, but whatever reason, Dallas just doesn't. Dallas is just a, a five hundred, or you know, maybe just a, a hair above five hundred team. What they've been for the past couple of years. And they sign, they sign him midseason or maybe late towards the season. I'm just saying you don't think it's possible not to pick him up now before the season, but as the season progresses, just to say, well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and snatch him up before somebody else does and just have him as insurance just in case Dak says he wants to walk. All right, then we'll pay Cam $20 million. Because at that point, you're only going to pay Cam about – I don't know, a couple mil just to sit there and play for the, for, you know, be on the team for the rest of the season. A real friendly deal just to say, hey, come on in. Learn the system a little bit before the end of the season and let this be your team moving forward. I don't see that. No? I don't see it either. I, I really don't see that. To be honest, I, I even if that was the case, I just don't see a team that will risk that much for Cam at this stage. Because if they did, somebody would have looked at them already. Um, I think that as of right now, if it was like maybe in the beginning of – if it was like the week after Cam or a couple of days after Cam announced they – I mean, well, you know, Carolina um, made Cam a free agent. If it was a couple of days after that, maybe. But at this point, at this time, after the draft, and no one has even contacted me. I haven't even seen anything about teams that were interested in Cam. So I just don't see that happening at this stage. I think that it's going to be to a point where he may have he may be sitting on the sidelines midseason until somebody gets hurt, God forbid, um, before they may reach out or may somebody may reach out to him. I just haven't seen anything or heard anything about Cam since his free agency announcement. So, <laughs> I mean, unless y'all heard something I heard, I haven't. No, and the fact that Jameis Winston got picked up by the Saints and he hasn't, I mean, is proof in the pudding that Cam is not going to get signed anywhere no time soon. I would think maybe the earliest would be training camp, depending on if any quarterbacks could hurt early or maybe within the first few weeks of the season if, you know, a quarterback goes down early. But as of right now, I don't know. He might end up somewhere, but I, I just don't know where. And Dak is going to probably be in the position that Kirk Cousin is. But if I'm Dallas, before I let it get that far, if he doesn't sign that, you know, tender, he doesn't play, I still got your rights. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold on to you, see who's around that top three pick in the draft, and I'll make a trade to trade Dak to whoever that team is that's looking for a quarterback and jump everybody. And go right after the, the number, the best quarterback that's available in that draft. Which might have wind up being Trevor Sunshine Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, but the Cowboys going to have to give up more than just Dak for that. They're going to have to give up a soul. That, they might be willing to do that, but Dak will probably be the biggest chip you got. So Dak, the first round pick? No, you go with Dak on the first round pick. Uh, you probably go Dak 
uh, hypothetically speaking, whoever is that in the top three, you know, driver's seat, you trade Dak for that pick and maybe a second round next year and or two second round or in a second round, a third round next year. But why not? Hmm. I would take my chances going after somebody young coming out that you're going to have cheap again and you can kind of keep rebuilding your squad around as a pay high price or overpay somebody that's a little older now. I can see Jerry Jones doing that. Because he act like he damn didn't want to pay Dak as it is now. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's almost as like he doesn't want him to lead the team at this stage. Well, you know they want to play the race card with him a little bit, but we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, but I have to give one, um, I guess, before we switch topics, to the wide receiver that the Cowboys picked up, CeeDee Lamb. Quickest hands on TV. <laughs> that was a brilliant move that he did. Well, you heard the story. She came out and said that the agent, his agent, was trying to Facetime him, and she was trying to be the girl, you know, the good girlfriend, and pick up the phone to answer it. You know, that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a politically correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I don't think that was it. Uh, that 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 looked like. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like you, you know, you you know better, right? <laughs> that was like one of them. You know better type looks. <laughs> and if you ain't got no attachments or no ties or no kids, you might be like, you about to get replaced anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't see the you saw the uh, the one some guy tweeted like, girlfriends better know your place because you can get replaced real quick. When they showed, uh, uh, what's my man? Quarterback from Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and his uh, his ex-wife back on draft night. It was a white girl with a mouth all white, you know, like that. Ah. And then he showed another picture with him in Seattle. <laughs> so he said, he said, you might be here today, go on tomorrow. <laughs> he said, better mind your place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the other picture, there was another, and, and I do think, Agent, to go back to the, the format, it was quite interesting because you got to see opportunities where, you know, the webcams were in people's, you know, you know, houses and you saw the camaraderie. There was also the clip of where one guy got picked up and, you know, his girlfriend, I guess, happened to be white, was all in the camera and all hugging them. And then you saw the mother come behind and was just like very forcefully move her out, <laughs> move her out the way. <laughs> so his son could be able to be able to talk and you know and, and get his time. Almost like you need to hear a ludicrous song in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to you don't even need to worry. You just hear the beat in the background, right. the, the beginning beat. That was crazy. Nah. Those webcams was definitely they they definitely showed a different side, yeah. Like my like I was telling um Ace last I mean Smooth last week about the the um virtual background I got of my man from um uh, gentleman um from the Giants who was wearing his um mask during the draft. Oh, Dave Gettleman, <laughs> Gettleman. <Yeah. laughs> oh, they were yeah they were clowning him, but come to find out he was just he just uh bat he's battling cancer. And ah, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, they said he, well, yeah, he had just got over, you know, battling cancer maybe a year ago or several months ago, but mm-hmm. um, they had one of the um, Giants, I guess, um, IT guys that was there that was kind of helping them set up, but he uh, wasn't, he wasn't in the basement, but he had been in the house kind of helping them get everything set up, set up. so, so he had the mask on and everything, so. You know, he said that was the precautions. I mean, but nobody knew initially because he was just down there by himself. Yeah, that's right. all you saw. So, like, when that's when people started counting him. It's like, yo, you down there by yourself. Why you got a mask on? But the explanation is you never know at this stage. Exactly. exactly. But overall, I thought that the draft, though based on circumstance, was really good. And all of the issues that those GMs were talking about, tech issues that when they did the little mock draft early in the week that was taking place for it to not really have any hiccups, you know, kudos to the NFL, AT&T and all the different IT folks or, you know, whatever, who all was involved to make sure it ran smoothly. You did a great job. Yeah. And I, to be honest, that shows that, you know, the, any draft can go virtual at this stage. And to be honest, let me ask you a question. And you thought that the virtual, I mean, you thought that this draft was better suited, um, like in comparison to the other drafts, like less commercials, more of people, more interaction with not just the, the teams, but with the players that are getting drafted um, as well. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was, it, it was just different. And to, you got to see a side, you know, you, you almost get to see how people live prior before they become these superstar studs with all this money. Because you saw some of the houses that these people was living in. It's like, dude, I live better than some of these cats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then you got some of them that were in really nice houses. I think the uh, the one kid that lived out here in out here in PG County in Maryland. Obviously, I think they were booing. The parents got money because you can see based on the house. It's a pretty, you know, but um, but then you saw some of the cats that were picked in the first round and just dude lived, had green carpet and some crazy funky walls and a recliner house. But man, but you also got to understand that's not their houses, that's their parents' house. I'm just you saying, gotta, you got to give them some type of you know, that's their, that's their parents' houses now. You, you, you know, it just, it just gives credence to all the talk that they talk about where these kids are coming from. I'm not saying they're coming from poverty, but obviously you can see they're coming from not having a lot and they want money while they're in college. So you could kind of, you saw that glimpse that yeah. you hear them talking about, but you actually see a little bit right there. Because obviously, you know, there's probably kids or student athletes that are way worse than what you saw that didn't get drafted and you'll never see into, inside their home. But it just gave you a real small glimpse of those who are a little less fortunate than we are at this particular moment in our lives but they're going to be well better than us here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it was – I'm with you, Ace. It was, it was different. Um, I think it's going to probably be a prelude to – not even a prelude. I think the NBA is probably going to, you know, whatever – however they're going to happen to end the season and what's, who's in the pecking order for the draft. But I think that the NBA is probably going to follow suit how they, how they did their draft. Um, but this was interesting. It was different. I mean – like you said, it was nice to see it less pomp and circumstance with all the big, you know, rah-rah about, you know, 
the first round picks and all the red carpet and the guys kind of dressed in the nines and some of them wearing the, you know, the very interesting suits. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was much more scaled back, much more refined. And like you said, they got a chance to see the guys in their home. So you kind of got opportunity to see, not to see a whole lot, but you kind of got to see kind of, you know, their families, where they're from, letting the focus be on them per se, instead of all the hype. Um, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll do it this way unless they don't. Unless they have to. They already said that Vegas is going to is going to get it next year because they lost out on this year. Um, I don't know. We're going to see like the big NFL experiences um, next year, like they did the last couple, years, especially in Philly. I guess we we'll have to see how next year plays out. How the virus, social distancing, if those things are still in play, but. I think you might get a lot more people stay home and do more stuff like this, at least maybe come some people in the first, second, third, you know, it, then you can have a bigger party, you know, and celebrate about it. Right. And it might give the opportunity for some of those who are projected, maybe, like you said, third to fifth rounders, you know, put a little cam in their home just to say, Hey, you know, we won't show you on the first and second night, but definitely on the third day, you know, show a little bit of love to those who probably wouldn't get the love shown on them just because they're not going to be wherever they're supposed to be for the draft. And so, yeah, that was pretty cool. And to be honest, I think that they, that should be something that they should look into because I think for like those rounds, like you said, from um, third on, um, I think that it puts more emphasis on those players, which is something that they wouldn't usually get if they was in the first round or in the second round. Mm-hmm. So I think that will help benefit the players to get a real sense of, you know, who they are. And that would be a perfect balance of what it is where the first couple of days is on a focus point on the first two rounds, but then, um, and the whole hoopla of the NFL draft. But then when you get to rounds three and so on, it turns into more of a player interaction where you see the players interacting with their families and um, being drafted. I think that would be a nice mixture of how things should be going forward. Yeah, man. You know, my last point on this, I mean, I mean, I mean, we're still unsure how the NFL season is going to play out, whether it's going to have a season start on time or whatever. I mean, most people are thinking that it may start on time or maybe a little delayed, but the NFL still gets lucky with still operating. And as the, um, the commissioner said, they're operating with the mindset that they're still going to start games right on time. Probably with nobody there, but hey. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good, <laughs> definitely. It's definitely all good. That's what yep. the world is waiting for right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, as you can tell from the NFL drive. But let's move on because I know the hour is, almost, is far spent. Um, we have to jump into the NBA and talk a little bit about what's going on there. Of course, um, the last dance. Um, a couple of episodes been already been out there. La- the last four episodes, first four episodes have been out there. So let me get your thoughts and takes on that whole aspect of the last, the last dance. And what did you thought about Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, and everything in that regards to that final season of them winning the championship? Oof, well, um, I saw all four episodes. Um, and as a, you know, an old Detroit Pistons fan, 
bad boy Pistons fan of, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, I can remember very well all those times. Um, a lot of stuff that was said in the first two episodes were a lot of stuff that you kind of knew, but, you know, not everything. So it kind of went to detail. Um, the stuff with um, Scotty Pippen, I know there was some contingency about his contract. I didn't know how deep him and Mike and some other players were going at um, Jerry Krause, <laughs> straight up berating them on the bus right in the stadium. You know, no respect at all, but, you know, he had been doing some grimy stuff, um, you know, but it wasn't until episode three and four where, I mean, the tea was really coming out, in my opinion. Um, the stuff with Rodman, whew, oh. <laughs> How in the heck do you even go to the coach and tell like, look, I'm sorry, I need a, I need a vacation. Now, preference to the statement was that as when Scotty wasn't playing those first, what, I think month, I think a month and a half, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Mike said that Dennis Rodman was, was, the, was playing, was being the perfect player. And he said, you know, that was killing him. <laughs> so when Scotty comes back, he was like, yeah, I need to take a vacation. And they were looking like, what do you mean a vacation? So you went to Phil, not Kraus or Ryan. So you went to Phil first. Phil brought in Mike and was like, hey, man, needs a vacation. <laughs> and they let him go. <laughs> Even though Mike said he didn't think he was going to be back in 72 hours. And he wasn't. No, 30. 48. 48 hours. Yeah. He was going to be back in the 48 hours from Vegas. But the fact that he had stones to even ask, can I go? And Phil was like, all right, you think you can do what you can do in 48 hours? And he was like, sure. And Mike was like, he's not going to be back. <laughs> in June of four, he, he wasn't. I mean, how many players can do that right now? Can sit there in the midseason Go to coach and be like, look, I just need to go to Vegas. You know, everybody in Vegas will have cameras out there. Twitter would have exploded. It would have been all on social media. That's such and such. Or LeBron James in Vegas during the middle of the season. Or, you know, Draymond Green was uh, <laughs> in Vegas during the season. Right. Nobody could get away with stuff like that. I, I think I heard Jalen Rose call it load management. He, he, he alluded to it as being load management, but just for Dennis Rodman. Yes. And yeah, technic- I, yeah, you could technically technically say that, to be honest. He was the creator of load management. Right. That was <laughs> Phil Jackson recognizing that you had to – not everybody on that, on that squad can be treated equal. Mike's going to be treated a certain way. Scotty's going to be treated a certain way. And then his Rodman is going to be treated way different than everybody. So he had to allow him to go blow some steam because he know I need him to play and do his thing. So I need his head in the game. So if he's got to go to Vegas and mess with all the hoes and whatever, go ahead. I want to hear more about the mission about Michael Jordan have to go and just get him and bring him, bring him back to the um, stadium because they glossed over that. But allegedly, I guess – I think he was already in Chicago, but Mike had to go to his apartment and get him out. Then they said that Carmen Electra was in the room and hid behind the couch. I, it was a little disjointed <laughs> the way they kind of explained that. So I'll, can we get a little more detail about that? Is, is Carmen Electra still alive? <laughs> <laughs> like, put my dirty air in my dirty laundry right now. She was right on there. She talked about it. She yeah. talked about oh, it. She was on it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, see, I was sleeping. 
<laughs> I was I was really sleep. I'm really mad I missed that. But to kind of go back to episodes one and two, I I think personally the thing that really stood out to me or shocked me was uh Scotty Pippen agreeing to that seven year, eighteen million dollar contract. Yeah. You yeah. know. And I understood why he did it because <clears throat> he wanted to make sure his parents were good and his family was good. You know, but even when the owner tells you before you sign this contract, like, dude, this is a bad contract. Don't sign this contract. But he was this, I guess because they said he hurt his back and wasn't sure if he was going to come back to play like he played. You know, he needed to make sure that he was getting his money. I was like, dude, you got to bet on yourself in that situation, man. I mean, what was more, what was even more ironic, though, even though that contract was really, really bad, except for the last two years, where Pippen and Jordan were together, Jordan was pretty much only making a couple hundred thousand dollars more than Pippen. <laughs> That's the crazy part. But then, of course, you know, what, 97, 96, 97, and 97, 98, he was making 30, 30 plus million, and Pippen was still only making two million. I was like, ah, I was like, ah, man, that was, that's the one thing that really stood out to me because I, I can't really speak on episodes three and four because I was, I fell asleep. <laughs> no. No, no, I, I I completely agree with you. I thought that that was the one thing that stood out to me as well, um, the contract. And I'm be honest with you, um, and I'm saying this, I was never a Chicago Bulls fan, but I was more of a Scottie Pippen fan. Um, and I mean, because to be honest, that was he was probably one of the, the few people I was modeling my career after, like my playing when I was playing basketball. Um, I, that was my one of the few people that I honestly could say that I was studying. Um, so I had, there was, a, I, I wouldn't say he was like my basketball idol, the one person, but I would say that he was definitely somebody I was studying and um, to see him get to where he was and then to hear this about his contract, I was just like, I understand, but it kind of still sucks at the same time because he definitely deserved more than what he was getting paid. He was definitely under, um, appreciated and undervalued. You can't tell me that once you sign that contract and after doing all the things that he's done, you couldn't just say, you know what, let's work on a new contract. And I feel as though that that was probably one of the things, that's the reasons why he was saying that he was feel, feeling very uh, unappreciative because, of course, he knew he signed that long-term contract, but in the end, he was like, but I'm still doing this. Like, is there no, it should have been a way where, Management should have came to him and said, hey, I know you signed this contract, but let's work on something as far as a new contract is concerned. And I think that Scotty was just looking for that opportunity, or at least that chance, and that was never presented to him. So uh, I, I, I definitely felt bad um, for him. And to be honest, after seeing the first couple of episodes of The Last Dance, I got a newfound respect for the Chicago Bulls. Not saying so much as Michael Jordan per se, because I, you know, Michael Jordan is in the level by himself, but I'm just saying how they came together. Uh, I have a, a lot more respect for them and a little less of an anger towards them, per se. I know. <laughs> no, screw that. Well, well, here's my question. I can't really speak much on episodes three and four because, like I said, and I, I'm really ashamed of myself. I was asleep. Um, but I did manage to watch a lot of first take in ESPN the Monday. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah says something to me that kind of sparked my curiosity where he said that 
you know, he didn't realize that it really pissed the Bulls off that they didn't shake their hand after the fact that they beat him going into that 90s series. The, the 90s series. And he said that if he really the, – the rumor now is that it's because of that is the reason why he was left off the original Dream Team. And one of one, one of, of many. <laughs> one of many rumors. <laughs> and he said that he, he would be really disappointed if that, if that particular rumor is one of the reasons why he was left off. Other than, you know, obviously his wrist was all jacked up that he really couldn't, he wasn't the same player come the 92 games that he was in the, the, the 80s. But I thought that was really interesting that, you know, he, he felt snubbed and everything else just based off of that whole situation. Like, I didn't really, really, I didn't really pay much attention to the fact that that took place back in 90 when that series uh, ended the way it ended. I, I had no idea that they just kind of walked off. But if, if, if what Isaiah Thomas was saying was true, then I don't understand why the Bulls get pissed off if that's what Philly did to Boston, if that's what Boston did to, to Detroit, and if that's what Detroit is now doing to Chicago. It was like the passing of the torch, I, you know, in some weird, crazy way. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, you can get a little bit of revisionist history when you get to this point. I mean, yes. I mean, when, you know, when Detroit finally beat Boston in a route to their, you know, I think their first of two championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when AD was, you know, Adrian Daniel was taking his last shot and you saw some of the Boston Celtics fans started, you know, walking off the court. Nobody said nothing about that. Um, the Chicago Bulls fans are always want to say salty grapes to the Detroit Pistons fans and say we're such outraged that Detroit Pistons want to walk off the court, but never say before that game even started. And when it was like three up three Oh, before that game, you had Michael Jordan going out there to the interviewers talking, saying that, you know, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons were a bad NBA, you know, championship team and they weren't good for the NBA, yada, yada, yada. They don't say, all those comments that Mike was, you know, running off at the mouth with before they played the game. So you would have to know that you guys already had a back and forth. You're up three and no on this team. You want to sit there. You didn't say this when you were up one zero. You didn't say this when you were up two zero. You're going to say this when you're comfortably up three zero. And I think they kind of knew that by that particular point, it was just a matter of time before the Bulls beat them. Maybe they might beat them in five or four. But you're going to say that you didn't think that was going to throw a little bit more gasoline on an already, you know, volatile situation. So when the game was over and they just walked off, and I was watching that game. I was, I was like, fucking too. So <laughs> and then, you know, they're going to come back and be, oh, I can't believe you did that. But did you just not hear what Mike was running off at his mouth with before? Did anybody forget what, you know, Boston, how they – no the entire team, but how Bird and a few other players just walked off the court is always, and I think that always leads to the big issue that Detroit had with the Bulls is that, you know, you know, you had Magic, you had Bird, they were coming up and it was almost like Magic, Bird, Michael, Lakers, Boston, Chicago Bulls. And it's like, they wanted to fast step over the Detroit Pistons. And it's like the Pistons never, ever, 
you know, even to this day, never get their just just respect. You wouldn't have thought the Detroit Pistons won two championships. You would have thought that the Detroit Pistons never beat um, the Lakers to get their championship. You would never thought the Detroit Pistons went to three um, NBA finals in a row, lost the first one because they kind of got robbed, but won the last two. It was always that it was between the Lakers, Boston, and then, oh, the Bulls. Nothing in between. Right. I think that's what pisses off a lot of Detroit uh, people from Detroit and those, you know, Pistons teams is because it was like you're so quick to run and anoint Michael and the Bulls that you completely just, you know, threw them to the wayside. And I think that's really what it was all about because they was looking for that next big star. And even though Detroit had Isaiah, they had Joe Dumars, they had the bad boys, they were collectively as a team. Um, even though Isaiah was a, the true superstar and all-star, um, like you said, they had Bird, they had Magic. They was looking for that next heir apparent that could just take over to that next level. And they did overlook um, – they overlooked the Pistons to try because they were so reaching for with Michael to get to where he needed to be with the Bulls. So I could definitely understand that. I, I saw that. Um, not to say, you know, I, I know you're the Pistons fan, but the Pistons had a pretty good way of, of, of hurt of making everybody um, hate them. Not Well, not hate, but dislike them um, because they was the bad boys of the NBA. Of course, <clears throat> Every fan that was not a Detroit Pistons fan didn't like the, the didn't care for how they were winning these th- these games and winning championships. But you gotta give respect where respect is due. Now I, I got to give respect to Isaiah because Isaiah was first of all Isaiah was throwing shade like crazy. Monday Andrews. First of all, first of all, he was saying he said, "Look, first of all, the Bulls are not a team of the eighties. They are a team of the nineties. But if you want to talk about the teams of the 80s, it was Philly, Boston, L.A., Detroit. <laughs> he said, you can say all you want about uh, Jordan playing in the 80s, but he said the Bulls were in shit. He, he pretty much just said the Bulls were in shit in the 80s. They were great in the 90s, but they weren't crap in the 80s. And then he, he had the nerve, he didn't have the nerve, he was just speaking facts, that he said that we're the only team that sat there and said that we beat Magic, we beat Bird, we beat I'm assuming uh, Will Chamberlain was playing with Philly back in the no. time. No, Dr. J. Dr. J. Yeah. Like they went through Dr. J. They went through all of these, and they went through Michael. <laughs> it beat them all. They said they're the, they're the only team that can sit there and say they beat all those squads and to get their championships. And then the last piece of shade that, uh, you know, I can't remember the number five, but Isaiah put out his top five. He had Jordan at number four. <laughs> he said it was Wilt, Magic Bird, and then Jordan. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, you know, when you watch five and they start talking about, I mean, you know, the hate, the hate was still there, but I mean, um, and Michael was the one that really was much more vocal about this. I mean, you never yeah. heard really Isaiah Thomas say anything. I mean, there's some times in the finals when you might have more than Scotty on, they might, you know, playful banter going back and forth and, you know, but you expect that, you know, because that was the rivalry of that time, which I so surely miss now. <laughs> um, but then, you know, they'll go back and forth playfully, but nothing really serious. And then Mike has his 10 episode and then he has an episode, rightly so, devoted to the Pistons. 
And then he has that one clip and he walked off and, you know, the guy hands Mike this thing and says, this is what Isaiah Thomas, first he's like, I don't even want to hear it because he's talking all bullshit. And then he's, then he, when he's listening to it, he was like, I'm not going to believe whatever he says because whatever he says, he can't tell me he was acting like an asshole at the time. Mm-hmm. So he gets mad at that. And I think Isaiah Thomas is like, well, after all these years, I kind of thought we, we got, I mean, squashed it. Squashed mm-hmm. it. We got pastors. We, you know, we both, you know, we're not friends, but we're, you know, cool to a certain extent. And then you do this. And then you're not saying this is how I felt about the situation at that time or vocally. You're making it seem like I hate the Detroit Pistons. I hate that squad then. I always will hate them now. (laughs) Now, mind you, he didn't have a lot of hate because he did have Dennis Rodman who pushed Scottie Pippen when he had, you know, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, mind green game. You didn't have issues with, you know, John Sally because he was on that squad when you won, I think, that your last ring. So you didn't have issues with some Detroit Pistons because if you didn't want them, you would have been like, no, we're not going to have Dennis Rodman on the squad because I hate that Detroit Pistons team. We're not going to have John Sally because I hate that Detroit Pistons team. You had him on your squad. You just had a problem with Isaiah. So just – and probably Bill Lambeer. And Bill Lambeer <laughs> said, said it perfectly. He said, fuck it. If you don't like it, I don't care. I did it, and I have no qualms about it. Case closed. I, I always loved that. I, I always loved Lambert, even back in the day. He just didn't give a damn. <laughs> and, if I, and if I had one thing to say to Isaiah Thomas, I would say, you know, I understand you were trying to maybe, you know, um, cover your guys, your squad, and, and the team. But at some point you're saying, look, we did it, we did it. You know, if you don't, if you still feeling sore about that, I'm sorry you feel that way. I thought we were good, but look, that's how we felt at that time. Get the fuck over it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I agree with what you were saying in regards to like Jordan. At least you could have been like, I mean, if you're still holding this grudge at this stage, I, I don't understand why. I mean, it's over with. Like now, if you would have said that this is how, like you said, I agree. If you said that this is how I felt in the time during the time, then I get that. I understand that. But I mean, back in the days, it was very hostile, of course, because the Bulls and Pistons basically was they was fighting just to get a chance and an opportunity to play in the finals. Mm -hmm. So they were scrapping. It's no different from when um, it's no different when the Bulls played um, the Pistons, if it was the Bulls playing the Knicks. If it was the Bulls playing, you know, there's going to be rivalries no matter what. You're going to get to that point where you're not going to like the other team. But at the end of the day, it's the made the best person, best team win. And you have to come to that point in agreement like, hey, they got me. I got to respect that. I'll get them next season or vice versa. If, you know, still was a great series no matter what. And the fact that if you're still holding grudges about this, that, that shows the level of pettiness. And I can even say that for even the great people. Like, you could say that at this stage, like, you know, of course, I didn't like them back then, but now I got much more respect for them. That's, it changes. But you can't tell me that you're not changing your, your, your feelings can't change now. You're not still playing them. It's not like, you know, you got to get over it and move on. So, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Today. You know, I am nostalgia about the style of play that took place back then because that's the basketball. I remember that's the basketball I love. Mm-hmm. You know, that aggression, that meanness, that toughness. Like, you ain't coming down my lane. If you're coming down my lane, I'm going to knock your block off. 
I appreciate that type of – I don't appreciate this Olay type of basketball now. <laughs> he was like, you, you go pass, like, go ahead, by all means, go ahead and get that layup. Ace want to bring back the Jordan rules. <laughs> hey, that's how that, – that's what we watched. That's how we all played when we was growing up in high school. You, you, you got – I got hit plenty of times in high school. And bring back that jail ball. Right. <laughs> it, pissed, it pissed you off. Like, you want to fight, but you're like, this, this it is what it is. But I mean, and then it, you know, everybody then it, it brings up the added debate because everybody now is like, who's the best, Jordan or LeBron? Could LeBron be LeBron in that era of basketball? I mean, just based off of the nostalgia, which we we now know that it was a Dean Jordan rules. Could there have been a LeBron rules back then? And would LeBron still be LeBron, being that he's He's a scorer, but he thinks he's more of a team player. Would he have been able to adapt? I'm not gonna front. I would. I'm very. I, that's probably the one thing I would be very interested in seeing if that would have happened, um, because I'm very interested to see if he would adapt or he would, would or how he would respond to it. Um, like you said, the the times is different. Um, he does have the 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 the. the the physical capability to handle it if he was going into the lane. The question is the mentality of it. How would he respond to it? Right. And if he doesn't have that mentality like a Jordan where he's going to continue to keep playing no matter what, like during that whole time during the Jordan rules, he wasn't – Jordan wasn't complaining. He was just getting back up and just, all right, you knocked me down. Let me see what I'm, I'm, I'm trying – keep stop trying to keep stopping me. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his other teammates defending him. So – I'm very curious to see what how LeBron will react to that. Very curious if that would have ever happened. I mean, I agree. I mean, the most kind of physicality that he had was maybe when they played the Detroit Pistons, not not those bad boys, but the Detroit Pistons back ninety early nineties. Oh, with um, when, with um, Rashid Wallace, yeah, Ben Wallace, yeah. um, Chauncey Billups, Tyshawn Prince, and they yeah. they got they got. They got pretty, you know, physical with him as about as much as they was going to let him get. And he was getting knocked around, and he wasn't really doing, you know, all that well. Um, but I agree with you, Al. Physically, the body, yeah, probably. Um, mentality, I don't know, because he still seems a little soft at times. Um, and if you coming out of high school, going to the NBA at that time, thinking you coming out beasting around that time, those boys, not on the Detroit Pistons, everybody mm-hmm. would have been putting you on your canvas. Not just one team, but the rest of the – at that time was at 28. So you'd have been put on your keister a lot. I don't know. I know what Jordan would do playing now with these rules where you can't even touch the man. Good Lord. You would have been killing it. 60 a game. I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. And plus, back then, no one was really shooting a three, so he ain't going to be stepping behind the arc all the time and really shoot three because it wasn't in vogue. So that means either, A, you're going down in a block where you're going to get a hit, or B, you're going to go down the lane, and as big as you are, you're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I miss that style of basketball so bad, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but we could talk more about this. We way overdue. <laughs> um, we paid past our time, but we could talk more about this next week on the next week's podcast. Um, but for right now, we'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. Um, Smooth and Ace, let them know where they can find you at. Hi, find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the Gram. Uh, J.E. Roth, number seven.
You can find me on uh, Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And of course, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls, Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can also find Guys Talking Sports on pretty much all the podcasts that's out there right now. We're available everywhere. Spotify, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You name it, whatever spot I, I mean, whatever podcast you listen to, we're there. Just type in Guys Talking Sports. We're also on YouTube. We're YouTube live in it now. Uh, so catch out the previous episodes of Guys Talking Sports now on YouTube, as well as social media on Twitter and on Instagram as well. I'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. Appreciate all the love and support out there. Um, continue to subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. Reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, um, anything that you want to talk about. Um, stay safe. Stay at home. Stay protected. Um, don't go out if you don't have to. Um, I know as Ace would no normally would say, um, hashtag stay at home and catch guys talking sports again next time. And until next week, y'all guys take care. God bless. Have a good one.